0: The following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. Romans chapter 5, <clears throat> and we'll begin in verse 5, Romans 5, beginning in of verse 5, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 6, I'm sorry, Romans 5, beginning in verse 6. Bible says, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for righteous men will one die, yet peradventure for good men some would even dare to die. But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by His blood, <clears throat> we shall be saved uh, from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son much more being reconciled we shall be saved by his life and not only so but we glory but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have received now received the atonement my main text is verse 10 where the bible says for if when we were enemies were reconciled to God by the death of his son much more being reconciled we shall be saved by his life i'd like to preach on the subject this morning much more saved by his life much more saved by his life let's pray father in heaven i pray god and thank you father for those who come to be with us today and father we pray god your blessing on the preaching of thy word and father i pray god for your help to preach father we can do nothing without thee father nothing of any eternal value can be accomplished here without thy help father even the hearing the listening the receiving we need help for lord i pray god you'd have your way in every heart that you glorify yourself in every response i pray now in jesus name amen again much more saved by his life now here in our text the apostle paul is writing to the church at rome not the catholic church as some would believe but rather and i gave it a name the first independent baptist church of rome Say, Preacher, where does it say that? In my sanctified imagination it says that. Amen. (laughs) Writing to remind them and us of our weakness to be able to deliver ourselves from the wrath of God because of our sin and the power of Christ to save us from that uh, wrath and his death. If you look at verses 6 again through 9, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, much more than being now justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath. And he talks about our weakness here. Really, it talks about our weakness over <clears throat> the issue of death itself and, uh, <clears throat> and for us to save ourselves from the wrath of God to come. First Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 though we were weak yet the bible speaks of the weakness of god being stronger than the the strongest of men in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 24 but unto them which are called both Jews and Cree- Greeks Christ the power of god and the wisdom of god because the foolishness of god is wiser than men uh, can you imagine calling god foolish and yet what he's trying to show is the contrast here because it, at, the, at the least, and he says that the foolishness of, men is, foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than man. You know, the, the strongest who have ever lived is not stronger than the weakest time of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, we're all weak when it comes to the issue of, of death. Look at me to Ecclesiastes 8 and verse 8. Ecclesiastes 8 and verse 8. <clears throat> There's Proverbs, Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 8. Here the Bible says, There is no man that hath power over the Spirit to retain the Spirit, neither hath he power in the day of death, And there is no discharge in that war, neither shall wickedness deliver those that are given to it. The reality is is that there is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. And you know what? No man, I don't care how strong they are physically. You know, there are a lot of people that are focused on our health today, and I think we ought to be more focused because the average American today is obese. And it's a fact and it's creating a lot of physical problems for people, disease and what have you and I think we ought to focus on our physical our physical needs but you know what folks the strongest person and sometimes there is within the heart of man this desire to live physically uh, forever there's always been those that have striven to find the fountain of youth and to be able to live forever ever never having to taste of death but the strongest of men the strongest of men have died as a matter of fact it was at um, I was just thinking of the Greek leader, and I just lost his name. Alexander the Great had conquered the world, I believe, at age 35 and died shortly thereafter. You know, folks, it's amazing. You know, he was a great leader, a strong leader, a powerful leader, and yet he died. He died the death of all men. You know, we imagine sometimes that we're pretty tough, we're strong, we're powerful, and yet we find ourselves being just as weak as any other human being when it comes to somehow striving to overcome death. In 2 Corinthians 13, if you look there with me, 2 Corinthians 13, verses 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians 13, and verses 3 and 4. Here the Bible says, "...since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me," which to you, word, is not weak, but is mighty in you. And they were very, a, a very proud, contentious people because of their pride. They imagined themselves to be very spiritual when in fact they were carnal. And Paul writing about uh, the fact that they thought themselves to be mighty in, in, in uh, having Christ and the Spirit of Christ in them. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward, you know, he's talking about the weakness of Christ. And sometimes I think we struggle with some of what God says, but the weakness of Christ I think has reference to the fact that he was a human being and that he could die a physical death and did die a physical death, but he did not die in one sense, in weakness. You know, we, we, the, the weakness of Christ is still more mighty, a mighty power than the mightiest man who's ever lived. If you look with me to Matthew 27, Matthew chapter 27, <clears throat> and verse 45, Matthew 27, and beginning in verse 45, the Bible says... <clears throat> Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabathani," that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood by, when they heard that he said this, this man calleth for Elias. And straightway, one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, let be. Let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. You know, here Jesus Christ as a man, and if you will, as the sacrifice for man for sins as he bore the sin of the world, the ugliness, putrefying, nasty sin of the world upon himself, God the Father turned his back on jesus christ and rejected him for the first time in his life christ you know the bible says he was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sins jesus christ saw what it was understood what it was to be rejected of god because of sin not because of his own sin but because he bore our sin for us the bible says he became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. He wasn't a sinner Himself because He hung on the cross. He hung on the cross for your sins and mine, and God the Father turned His back, and God the Son was separated from the Father for the first time in His life because of sin, our sin. In Isaiah 59, if you look there with me, Isaiah 59 and verses 1 and 2. Isaiah 59, and of verses 1 and 2. The Bible says here, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. You know, folks, the things that keeps us from God, the thing that separates us naturally from God as a sinner is our sin. And yet Christ went to the cross of Calvary as a mighty, as a mighty victor, though in his weakness he did so, he was still mighty to save. If you look with me to verses 16 and 17 of the same chapter, and he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him and his righteousness, it sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate, and an helmet of salvation upon his head, and he put a garment on the garments of vengeance for clothing, and was clad with zeal as with a cloak. Here's a man who is putting on his armor, a warrior of the arm of God, our Lord Jesus Christ, this is speaking prophetically of, and he would go and do battle in his weakness, would conquer, would conquer the issue of our sin in, in uh, john 19 john chapter 19 and looking at verse 28 john 19 and looking at the verse 28 <clears throat> here the bible says and after this jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished that the scripture might be fulfilled saith i thirst now there was said a, vinag- a vessel of vinegar full of vinegar And they filled a a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Now, the Bible says he cried in Matthew 27, where we read early, He cried aloud with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. His cry, and folks, I, I want you to remember this. Folks, his cry was not a cry of one who was conquered. But it was a cry of one who was victorious as a conqueror. And folks, in his weakest moment, God, in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, won a great victory over sin. And and you know what, folks, allowed himself to be the one to bring us to God, provide a way for you and I who were separate because of sin. In Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 13. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 13. The Bible says, Who hath delivered us, Colossians 1 and 13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. That is not the passage. I want Colossians chapter 2. I'm sorry, Colossians 2. It's in my notes, I just didn't read it right. Colossians 2, beginning in verse 13. And you, being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath quickened quickened together with him, having forgiven you all the, the trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Now it was common to put the accusations or the crimes listed against the one who was being crucified on the cross as, a, as an accusation. Here's the accusation. They put them on the cross. And folks, God, God took our sin and nailed it to Christ's cross. And folks, he bore all of the accusations, all of the sin, all of our condemnation upon himself for us. Amen. And the Bible says here, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. And he triumphed over sin. He triumphed over Satan, who is the father of sin and the sinners in Hebrews chapter 2. Look with me there, Hebrews chapter 2. Looking at verses 14 and 15. For as much then, Hebrews two fourteen and 15, Forasmuch then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself, speaking of Christ, took part of the same, that he through death might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Again, we see <clears throat> words of conquering victory about our lord jesus christ who bore the flesh of man the weakness in one sense of that flesh in that he was just a man and yet in his flesh he suffered and died and won a great victory over the devil and sin amen folks it's clear that though christ in his weakness uh, was crucified he was not crucified As one who was triumphed over. In John 1 and 29, John Baptist saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He was offered as a sacrificial lamb to take that which separates us from God away. And that is our sin. It separates us from God. In in Romans 5 and 9, Romans 5 and 9. Bible says, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Folks, in Christ in his weakness, you know, I, can, I, haven't, I have to imagine that maybe the devil imagined, oh man, we've won the victory here. We've gotten to Christ, we've crucified him, we've made a, a fool out of him. He was made lower than the lowest, crucified as a criminal, and at all the while, All the while, you know what? He was a part of bringing victory, bringing victory, the victory of Christ to a world of sinners and bringing the victory of Christ over Satan himself. It's amazing sometimes how smart we think we are and how foolish God makes us look. Folks, Satan, Satan one day, Satan has always had to answer to God. Though he has a desire to be higher than God, to be like the Most High, the Bible says, "Yet shall he be brought down to hell." And many will see him and look at him now. They'll look at him and say, "This was the man that that was mighty," and yet he won't be. He'll be the, like the lowest. But the Bible says here that Jesus, in his weakness, brought justification from the wrath of God by the sacrifice, the shedding of his blood. In the Scripture. Uh, just to, to justify means to pardon, to clear from guilt, to acquit from guilt and merited punishment. You know, folks, we're all guilty sinners before God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And the death he speaks of is eternal separation from God and how we deserve that by virtue of our own sin, our own wrongdoing. And there's not a man, the just man upon earth, that doeth good and sinneth not. The best of the best in this room. The best of the best in this room is still a sinner in need of a Savior. And if you are saved, you're saved because of what God has done for you. You've been justified by faith in the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. And In Leviticus 17, look at Leviticus 17 and verse 10. Leviticus 17 and verses 10 and 11. There had to be a blood sacrifice. Christ had to be a man. Christ had to be a sacrifice that could shed blood. In Leviticus seventeen and verse ten, and whatsoever man there be of the house of Israel, Leviticus seventeen, ten, or of the strangers that sojourn among you that eateth any manner of blood, I will even set my face against that soul that eateth blood, whether and will cut him off from among his people. Let me stop here. One thing about blood. God is wise. I mean there's a lot of things going on here god is concerned about them spiritually he's making a spiritual application to the to the blood sacrifice but folks you know what it's it's a known fact if you eat an animal and it's blood i'm going to tell you something you're in trouble you're going to end up with some kind of a disease or some kind of sickness because oftentimes disease and sickness is associated with blood god in his wisdom said listen let them bleed out but in this particular instance, they were to, to, uh, to catch the blood. He says here in verse 11, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement uh, for the soul. God wants to, if you will, <clears throat> uh, bring atonement, or if you will, reconciliation uh, 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 between two enemies. Speaking of our reconciliation with God, you know, Christ shed his precious blood to make an atonement, or reconciliation between God and man. He is called the mediator in 1 Timothy chapter 2, the one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He is God and yet he is a man and he had to be a man so that he could be like us and suffer like us in our place. Blood had to be shed. And his precious blood was shed to make an atonement for the soul, to deal with the issue of sin, the thing that stands between us and God. If you will, in Romans 5 and 11. Romans 5 and 11. <clears throat> and not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. Folks, we can have joy and peace in believing in the atonement and the work that Christ accomplished on the cross of Calvary when he shed his precious blood. If you will look with me to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9 and it's amazing that Christ really had so many offices, if you will wore many hats. <laughs> he was not only the sacrifice and substitute for our sin, but he is also the great high priest that has entered into the presence of God for us. In Hebrews 9 and 22, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the pattern of the things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices. than these now the patterns of the things of the heavens refers to the old testament tabernacle the forms of worship that god had established with israel in the wilderness with the tabernacle which also trans, uh, was also carried over into the new test or to the old testament temple and all of those forms all of those patterns were patterns of things in heaven holy things and G, when they would offer the sacrifices, they would shed the blood and they would make an atonement for the souls of men. And folks, that atonement guaranteed joy and peace. But the, the real atonement, the spiritual atonement took place when they put their faith and, the, and trust in the Christ for whom those sacrifices spoke. Amen. You know, they looked at at these sacrifices, they offered them not for their sin, but, if you will, as a testimony, as a testimony of the precious blood of Jesus Christ, who would shed his blood on the cross of Calvary one day. They knew what they were doing. Now, many lost sight of Christ, and became ritualistic in their worship of God, imagining that if they offered those sacrifices, surely that would take away their sin. And they lost Christ in there. And yet the truth was still there, and many still did believe and were saved because they believed in the sacrifice of Christ. It says, For Christ, verse 24, is not entered of the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then must he have often suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. You know folks the Lord is coming again a second time but he came the first time to come he came as a man he shed his precious blood to provide if you will reconciliation justification our hope of heaven to if you will make us the friends of God taking away the enmity if you will the enmity of our sin look with me to Romans 5 <clears throat> Romans 5 and 10 if you're looking for an outline you won't find one today i'm not concerned about an outline i'm trying to drive home a truth here today in Romans chapter 5 and verse 10 for if when we were enemies now there are those that imagine that <clears throat> they've always been the friend of Jesus and Jesus has always been their friend. No one has always been the friend of Jesus, and Jesus has not always been their friend. The Bible says here, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. He talks about our being ennem- enemies. That enemies, the, the term enemies, and it speaks of enmity, or if you will, <clears throat> the hatred Ill, it says here, the, the quality of being the enemy, the opposite of friendship, uh, ill will, hatred, unfriendly dispositions. Folks, there's no way that sinful man can be the friend of God unless sin has been pardoned, justified, forgiven, and we've been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. We cannot be the friend of God. But God, listen, God wants to be our friend he wants us as his friends amen and he planned a way to do that through the sacrifice of his his son our lord jesus christ if you will colossians chapter one colossians chapter one beginning in verse 19 for it pleased the father that in him speaking of christ all fullness should dwell should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable, unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Folks, God if you will, has taken away that which alienated or separated us from God, and that is our sin through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Now, it's hard for us to want to imagine that our own sin, our own works made us the enemies of God, but it did. Our own sin, you know, sometimes people imagine, well, I'm not that bad. How much sin does it take to separate us from God? Just one. How much sin separated Adam and Eve from God in in the Garden of Eden? Just one. And yet, folks, we are guilty of so much more on a day to day basis. As a matter of fact, you know what? I would challenge you this week to just try to be aware of how many times you sin in a day and then in a week. And it'll surprise you. Just trying to be aware of it. Thinking about You know, we do a lot of things that, that uh, we're not even aware of. We, we, now listen, sometimes we have such habits of doing things that are so wrong. I challenge you this week just to think about one day and then think about a week. Count it. Write it down. Take note of it. And folks, there's something to be said for that which separates us from God. That which makes us the enemy of God. Folks, our sin did that. And whether we consciously sought to be the enemy of God or not, we were no less the enemies of God. But God loved us so much that he said, you know what? I'll deal with the issue of sin. I will provide a way. I will provide a way to take away the sin that separates us, myself, from man. He provided it in the the person of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in in John 14 and 19. John 14 and 19. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye, ye see me, because I live, you shall live also. You know what, folks? Sin brought death into the world. Our sin made us enemies with God. God sent his son to deal with the issue of our sin, folks, so that we could become the friends of God, reconciled to God. And if you will, look with me to Romans 8, to give us eternal life in Romans chapter 8, to justify us, Let's begin in verse 31, Romans chapter 8, looking at verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? it is christ that died yea rather that is risen again who is even at the right hand of god who also maketh intercession for us folks when god justifies us no one can condemn us ever again for our sin we are justified by the love of god and the sacrifice of jesus christ he says goes on to say in verse 35 who shall separate us from the love of christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written for thy sake we are killed all the day long we are counted as sheep for the slaughter Nay, and all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us for i am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers or things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of god which is in christ jesus and folks When we trust Christ, God is on our part. God is for us. No one can be against us. We will never be separated from the love of Christ. We are justified, reconciled, all through his death, through his sacrifice. Look with me to Romans 5. Romans chapter 5. And look at verse 10. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Now, next Sunday, I believe it's next Sunday. or Was it no oh, the the uh, <clears throat> if you will, April? Is it the third or fourth? I can't remember what day. The fourth, and we'll be celebrating the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we anticipate that, as we move forward closer to it, you know what, folks? We we've just spent a lot of time talking about the power of the weakness of christ to reconcile us to justify us to prepare us to go to heaven but folks it's not a work that's complete without the life of jesus christ he not only died you know the gospel is how that christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures folks jesus christ died it would seem in weakness and yet in his weakness he was a conqueror and yet he he even conquered death when he came out of the grave and continues to conquer those that would accuse us amen conquer those that would seek to destroy us to discourage us you know uh we read in romans chapter 8 that he is our intercessor the word intercessor means a mediator one is one who interposes between parties at variance, with a view to reconcile them. One who pleads in behalf of another, if you will. Hebrews chapter seven. Hebrews chapter seven. The Lord is alive uh, forevermore. And let me tell you something, folks. When he left this, or when he left this earth, ascended, if you will, finally after some forty days. When he left this work, he did not leave work behind. He had other work, if you will, to, that would continue and would be a part of our salvation. In Hebrews chapter 7, looking at verse 22, Hebrews chapter 7, looking at verse 22, but Jesus, but says, By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. If they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death... But this man, speaking of Christ, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood, wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. You know, folks, Christ's intercessory work began as he hung on the cross of Calvary and as he died and was buried, and as he rose again, he rose again into heaven, and his work continues, we are secure. We are saved eternally because though some may accuse us, we have one that intercedes or pleads before the throne of God on our behalf. If you will, look with me to Revelation 12. Revelation 12. And verse 9, Revelation 12 and 9. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and satan which deceiveth the whole world he was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him and i heard a a loud voice saying in heaven now is salvation and strength in the kingdom of our god and the power of his christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down which accused them before our god day and night let me tell you something say why is that important because of this though we're saved by the grace of god And though we desire not to sin, we still sin. And yet, we're still saved because of Christ's intercessory work. When the devil, let me say this, when the devil, who is not omnipresent and not omniscient, he's not everywhere at all times, he doesn't know all things, he's not God. But when he finds out, That we have sinned. He is going to, either himself or with one of his demons, going to accuse us before God in heaven. And say, well, look at at Brother Olson. He blew it again. That's terrible. And you know what? Who will be there to defend Brother Olson? Christ. Who will be there to plead for him... And you and I, when we do fail, Christ. He's there on our part. He is one who intercedes for us. And folks, sometimes, you know what? We're not worth interceding for. And yet the Lord loves us and intercedes for us, pleads before the Father. And you know what? Pleads against the devil. When the devil would accuse us, he looks at the devil and says, Now wait a second. Wait a second. His sin, that person's sin, is under the blood. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. And what can the devil say against that? Nothing. Because the weakness of our Lord Jesus Christ was mightier than the devil himself and all of his accusations that he'd make against us. You know, we're saved eternally. Because of the Christ who continually intercedes and pleads for us. Pleads against the devil and pleads to God for us on our behalf. You know, he knoweth our frame that we're, we're weak sometimes. And he knoweth our frame that we're dust. And you know, what? He, as we said earlier, he loves us with an everlasting love. He's there for us at all times. And folks, <clears throat> we are saved not just by his death. We're not saved eternally, not just by his death and sacrifice, but by his life. Because he ever liveth to make intercession for you and I. And first John three. First John three. <clears throat> and verse nineteen. First John three and verse nineteen. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure hearts before him. He says, for if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we conscience, then have we confidence toward God. You know what? Not only does sometimes the devil and his cohorts accuse us before God, sometimes when we fail, sometimes when we sin, we accuse ourselves before God. You know, sometimes the devil would say, who who do you think, you're saved, really? Look, you did that, and you think you're saved? Sometimes we say to ourselves, you did that, and you think you're saved? And you know what? The intercessor, our Lord Jesus Christ, comes to us and reminds us, listen, it's under the blood, it's washed away, you're secure in me, and you know what? says to us through his spirit and his word it's okay if you confess your sins i'm faithful and just to forgive your sins and i'll tell you something folks we're saved eternally we never cease becoming we we never cease being a child of god being a sheep of god belonging to christ and you know what it should not be our habit or desire to seek after sin but it is our habit sometimes to sin and first john two and one 1 John 2 and 1. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. You say, as God for sinless perfection? He wants us to sin less. You know, when we get saved, we're sinning a lot. <laughs> it's a fact. Pay attention. Look at the sin you commit in one day and then in one week. And don't tell me you don't sin a lot. But understand this when you're saved by the grace of God God wants us to sin less and we ought to want to sin less and we will by the grace of God we will but we'll never stop sinning because we live in a sinful body Paul said the things in Romans and the things that I hate are the things that I do he said oh wretched man that I am Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? One of these days, we're going to go home to be with the Lord, and we're going to get a glorified body. And one of the blessings, it's a body that will never die. It will never suffer pain. It will never suffer sorrow. And you know what, folks? We'll never sin again. Until then, as we live in this body, we should want to sin less, and we will sin less, but we will never be sinless. Amen. That being in mind, my little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. You know what, folks? We have an advocate. You know, the word advocate means one who defends, vindicates, one who is friendly as an advocate for peace, and for the oppressed now you know what there are times when the devil would seek to oppress us with sin, with temptation with ungodliness and sometimes we oppress ourselves sometimes we oppress ourselves because of what we allow in our lives but folks you know what when we are upset and we ought to be because we've sinned and sometimes want to condemn ourselves, God says, now wait a second. Wait a second. He says to us, look with me in Romans 8 and verse 1. <clears throat> there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. There is no condemnation. The condemnation is gone. And when we would condemn ourselves because we're foolish and we're weak, the Lord would remind us, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Folks, that's the work of our intercessor and our advocate and there are times folks when we think well why was it so important that christ rise from the dead well he had a work to do in heaven he took his precious blood into the mercy seat of god in heaven anointed that mercy seat provided forgiveness of sins the reconciliation all of that in his death his sacrifice his shedding of his blood but that's only the beginning of what the lord does for us And some of the greatest things he does for us is that he intercedes before the throne of God and those that would accuse us, even we ourselves, and reminds us and those that accuse us, you know what? They're not condemned. They're justified, amen? They're reconciled. Saved, much more saved by his life. What a blessing that Christ died. What an even greater blessing that he lives, amen? If you will, Hebrews four. Hebrews four. <clears throat> Looking at verse fourteen. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Come boldly. Why? Because if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen? Who can be against us? You know, the Lord loves us. He died for us. He lives for us. Amen? And you know what? His throne is wide open wide open for you and I to go before and say, Oh God, have mercy on me. Help me. Lord, help me. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.